Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is Wednesday. This is Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy coming to you from the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. We're switching it up just a little bit here this week uh, because uh, we uh, are going to uh, do a little switcheroo with the co-hosts uh, between today and tomorrow. Uh, usually Billy Hull is in here on Wednesdays for BTS Wednesday, Billy Talk Sports. Uh, Rob DeMello usually here on Thursdays, but we're switching it up a little bit because Robbie D is in the house today. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, joins me as the guest co-host billy will be in here uh tomorrow thanks for doing this robbie no thanks for letting me do it i apologize to all the wednesday listeners that are looking forward to hearing billy and uh full disclosure i'm taking the day off tomorrow from work and on a rare occasion my wife is also off so we're gonna just have a day together and so i asked kanoa if uh if uh if I could uh, do the old switch, but so mahalo to Billy, you, and uh, my apologies to everyone listening. Well, what, do you guys, what do you guys have planned? What are we talking about here? I don't know, man. I think uh, sizzling date, uh, beach, and lunch, and uh, probably napping. To be honest, with uh, the kids in school and <laughs> trying to catch up on that. So there you go. <laughs> uh, Liz Stacy is working the board uh, in the room next door. You have a, uh, a a befuddled look on your face, Liz. What's going on in there? It's 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 uh, worrisome. She's like, he's married? Oh, my God. Who married this guy? (laughs) We have been uh, just having some echo issues. I don't know if you guys are having that on your end, but Uh, I'm just trying to deal with that. Oh, okay. All right. Well, no, it's sounding all right in in my headphone, but um, thanks for giving us a complex for the next hour. (laughs) No, um, all right. We'll uh, we'll keep keep an eye. Yeah, you were just making this face like, oh, my gosh. Are we speaking like another language or something like that? Uh, But, yeah, all right. uh, We'll we'll let uh, Liz get to dealing with that. 808-296-1420, the number to call. Uh, You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr insurance text line. Uh, We usually start with, like, the local stuff, right? That is the area of expertise and focus for you uh, in your gig with KHON2, Rob. Um, But this is a sports talk show, and so we certainly venture into the more broad and uh, sometimes national-scale sports stories as well. And I just kind of feel like this Draymond Green thing needs a little bit of uh, top-of-the-show attention. Uh, he he did the thing again uh, last well, a night. Combat sports is also one of my expertise, so <laughs> it fits right. in. Yeah, um, and Draymond is uh, probably going to uh, be looking to transition <laughs> uh, if he hasn't already thought that he did, uh, because uh, it happened again last night. Uh, he uh, threw a uh, f- like haymaker 360. He's uh, like a roundhouse <laughs> punch. <laughs> Yeah, um, it was the battle between the Warriors and the Suns. Uh, he and um, and um, Yusuf Nurkic uh, of the Suns uh, were kind of well. He, Nurkic was guarding him in in the mid post area, close to the bench, and uh, and Draymond just inexplicably did this like arm flailing three sixty wax uh, Nurkic like right across the jaw. Um, it was like a total haymaker blow. Nurkic falls to the floor. Draymond gets ejected. It's the third time uh, that he. He will be uh, suspended, likely, in this calendar year. Like, in 2023, second time already uh, that he will face a suspension uh, this season. But, uh, you know, he, he, he does that thing. He gets ejected. Uh, the thing that was really, I think... Um, 
befuddling and and even more so almost almost like uh, something that 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 maddens you uh is what he said after the game in the post-game press conference like oh it was a total accident it's just bad luck i wasn't even trying to do that i was just trying to sell the call that he was you know being a little bit physical uh in in guarding me and it's like what do you make us for like what do you make us for this is the same guy who was doing the you know karate kid crane kick to people's groins for like two seasons uh and now he's doing these flailing punches and he's telling us like oh it was just a big mistake everybody um so where are we here with this Draymond Green thing uh because he is you know he gets ejected again he has a a litany of these kinds of incidents that have occurred on the floor uh the other side of the Draymond Green conversation is that he's been a really good player he's won multiple championships he's been uh, by all accounts a key component to the Warriors dynastic run uh, over the course of the last decade to 15 years and and he was kind of that that piece that fit in perfectly it seemed with Clay Thompson with Steph Curry under Steve Kerr and it it just it's like this um this this twofold type of of measurement that you have to apply here where it's like all right Draymond he has this this uh, resume of greatness but you also have this on the other side, which is, I think, um, you know, I've kind of often thought for a long time that Draymond's a bit insufferable. And I think now it's getting to the point where it's like, this is actually kind of a joke. And it's 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 ugly. It looks bad. I don't think he garners respect from the other players in the league. You heard what Nurkic said after the game, like, uh, brother's got a problem, man. And he needs to actually seek help. And I kind of agree with that. Where are we with the Draymond thing? Yeah, it's sad. I mean, it, you know, you can make a highlight reel of these types of plays that Draymond's had right and just you know I remember the 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 kick to Steven Adams growing the <laughs> knee to Steven Adams growing you had him doing like a like an ankle roll on Anthony Davis a few years ago the stomp on uh, DeMontis Sabonis yeah, I mean, it just goes on and on and on and it's really sad and and you know it's almost like <laughs> It's like my daughter and son, like, you know, when they're fighting and, and my daughter will walk by and, you know, like throw a shoulder and be like, oh, sorry, I didn't see you there. Like, oh, uh, totally by accident. And I mean, Draymond's made a career of this and it's sad. And it and the NBA needs to do something as far as the suspension goes to just even prove a point or, or to, to, to send notice that like this is this will not be tolerable. Um, you know, think of put it into another sport. Right. Let's say there is a pitcher that continually the amount of times that Draymond Green has thrown a punch or a kick or, or just done these weird non-athletic motions to try and either get under the skin of people or to harm people. Like imagine if there was a pitcher throwing like beaning batters, right, gets suspended, comes back and he does it again and then comes back and does it again. Or or there's a defensive end that continually rolls the knees of quarterbacks and you know, he gets flagged and maybe he gets suspended, but comes back and does it again. And, and quarterbacks yeah. continually get injured. I mean, that's that's what you're looking at here with Draymond Green. I mean, and and the motion that he he, he did yesterday. I mean, that 
That's essentially if that happens at 24 hour fitness, you're like you're arrested. Like yeah. you're going to jail. That's, yeah, exactly. Right? That's like assault. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, this is not at, this was not in the motion of basketball. I mean, this is ridiculous. Like something needs to to be done. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and and I think that now becomes the conversation. Right as we await what the league's reaction and response is going to be, what kind of suspension? Surely he's going to be suspended. Uh, what kind of suspension? How long is this suspension? There are some pundits who are suggesting it's got to be somewhere in the the realm of like 25 games like really kind of stick it uh to draymond here uh, as just that that last claim of hey we can no longer put up with this it's bad for the league it's bad for business um and i actually kind of think that because draymond was so successful as a basketball player um the world around him and certainly within the warriors organization they just kind of put up with some of this behavior like hey that's draymond being draymond and you take the good with the bad right um the the net was still a positive because yeah he would do some of these shenanigans and he would get you know ejected or suspended uh, it cost them potentially an nba championship against the cavs um but, you know when he he was suspended for that game after you know hitting LeBron in the the lower region and and it it it, it has it has bit the Warriors in a pretty negative way in the past but the net was still always positive because when he was there uh, certainly uh, through the previous years uh, he was good and the team was really good um, like historically great and so that was always I think the the equation like all right we'll, we'll just traverse through these weird Draymond shenanigans whether he's punching a teammate or he's kicking people in the crotch or in this case throwing like this flailing haymaker uh, on the floor uh, we'll put up with that because when he is there it's really good and it's beautiful basketball and that's you know the Warriors have achieved success based on that I think the problem is that equation and the math here the calculus is starting to change a little bit because his skills are starting to diminish he is no longer the player that he was uh you see the way uh teams guard him now they're not even defending him like he'll get the ball at the top of the the circle or, or outside the three-point line and you look the the nearest defender is like down by the dotted like almost down by the restricted area type of thing um he is not the player and certainly the threat offensively that he once was he's still i think a, a plus defender for sure uh, but i think the equation has changed to where now it's harder to put up with this stuff because the net isn't as much of a positive. Now it's like, oh, he's actually just hurting us now overall. I think that's that's what we're seeing sort of playing out in real time. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, he's been paid a lot of money. $100 million recently, he just got like a few right? months ago. Yeah, And so it's not up to the Warriors at this point. I mean, they're, they're stuck with paying the tab on this and... Um, yeah, I mean, the NBA is the one that needs to step in and do something. And again, it's not even for the Warriors. It's so that, like, this doesn't continue to happen. Because if he's allowed to do it, then that means it opens the door for someone else to do it. And you need to just just erase this right now so that this doesn't become an ongoing issue in the NBA. I mean, they've worked so hard on cleaning things up, right? I mean, when you and I grew up watching the NBA, I mean, it was all-out brawls that we and yeah. and we're used to that like this was you know bill lambeer dennis yeah, yeah. rodman just laying guys out and it was just like hey i mean you got to be tough when you get you take it to the glass right and um they've cleaned that up like tremendously 
But yet you have this one guy. I mean, there's a few others, but you have this guy that is at the forefront of just this dirty basketball that are that's getting people hurt and and could have really hurt someone. Right, I mean, especially with with what happened last oh, night. Oh yeah, I mean, you do that to the wrong guy, I and mean, you clip him in the jaw, and that guy's knocked out. Hits the back of his head on the hardwood. And, I mean, then what? Yeah, it's not basketball. Like that yeah. is outside of the parameters of basketball. And I get it. Yeah, yeah physical hard play, fouls are different, right? F- for sure. And and there is context to some of those rough plays. Sometimes this was something that was absolutely outside of the realm of basketball. And I think that's what the league has to uh, be very vigilant on when they're trying to crack down and enforce like hey look this is not acceptable anymore i think this draymond thing to be honest you know like i said i haven't been the biggest draymond fan i i feel like some of his um you know success or or what some of the credit that has been given to him over the course of the Warriors' success has been, uh, you know, a little bit perhaps over-dramatized. Um, that was just my personal opinion. Uh, but there's no denying that he is a talent, and certainly no denying that he fits in well or has fit in well with that team and the way that it was comprised. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think things have, have changed, and I, th- I just think it's like it's tired now. And you see it, I think, through the reaction of some of the other players in the league. Like, there's not a lot of respect there anymore. I mean, for you of Nurkic himself to just be like hey look I don't know what's going on with this dude he needs help you know and it's it's not like hey Draymond's great like it's it's these players are now just oh it's it's the same old act and it's getting tired this next generation of players um uh, and and some of the guys who have been in the league for a little bit I, I just think they're kind of over this Draymond thing and and the thing that really I feel bad about uh is a guy like Steph Curry who is still playing at such a high level. Like, this dude is still, like, MVP caliber. Uh, It's kind of amazing. We're waiting for him to start dropping off and falling off a little bit. Nothing is diminished in his game at this point. Uh, But all of these ancillary distractions, uh, many of them are supplied by Draymond Green, have hurt now the cause of Steph Curry, right? The cause of the Warriors overall, and by default, their biggest star Steph Curry and I can't even imagine what he's just sitting there sometimes thinking uh, you know having to say all the right things Steve Kerr having to say all the right things like we need Draymond of course you need Draymond but I can't imagine what Steph Curry sometimes is thinking like man I am carrying the load and look at what this guy is doing he's punching my teammates in practice he's getting suspended he's missing time what the bleep and that's the craziest thing about when you think about that team and, and how it worked and I mean, you got Steph Curry, his personality, the his style of play, who he is out in the community. You have Klay Thompson, who just like seems like Mister Go with the flow, like whatever. And then you got a guy punching teammates in the <laughs> face, right at practice. It's like, Unreal, how did they man. ever make this work? How did they ever manage this? And especially in today's basketball, to have someone like Draymond, you know, and that figure. In a world where, you know, with the AEU style, I mean, everyone's been a teammate with everybody. Everyone's cordial. Everyone's hanging on the off scene. That's not like what it was in the 80s and 90s, right? And 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 to have that in this day of basketball, and then you're punching teammates, you're punching opponents. 
like that's really hard to do. Yeah, and and not owning up to it either, right? Like even uh, with with this incident last night, like he's he's saying it was bad luck. He says I didn't mean to do it. Um, I sell calls with my arms, is what he says. Uh, so I was selling the call and I swung and unfortunately I hit him. Like get get out of here with that junk, man. That's just absolute garbage. Uh, and so I think there's that part of it too. Like he's not even able to own up to it. Yeah, I punched him. I punched him because I lost it in the moment. Like, at least give us that much. If he's sitting in front of Adam Silver when they're talking about, you know, what they're going to consider doing as far as a punishment is concerned, and if he tells Adam Silver that, I don't think that's going to bode well uh, for Draymond Green. And, you know, the other thing about it, too, is he gets given kind of a lot of slack, right? When you see him argue with refs in games, uh, you, you had Nikola Jokic who got ejected last night after uh, getting teed up by a ref. I guess he, you know, dropped like an F-bomb or something like that. Uh, but it wasn't so overt. He wasn't like, you know, uh, yelling and flailing his arms and all this kind of stuff. And he got ejected. I'm like, how many times should Draymond <laughs> have been ejected for arguing with the refs? Like, I feel like, you know, that's something that they give him extra slack because he's Draymond, because he's emotional. And it's like, it could have been so much worse all this time. He could have had many more ejections and suspensions and technical fouls uh, if they adjudicated him the same way they do uh, some of the other players in the league. Yeah, so so what do you think happens? I think he's going to get a fat suspension. Uh, I do think that um, something in the realm, uh, I, I don't think, five to ten games accomplishes what the NBA needs to accomplish here with this. Like, they need to send a message. They need to show Draymond uh, that this stuff just ain't cool. They need to show the rest of the league that they're not willing to put up with uh, Draymond's antics anymore. So I do think something maybe uh, 15 games or more is 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 coming down. I would hope so. I kind of, I think it was Kendrick Perkins uh, was one of the guys who uh, suggested something like in the realm of 25 games. I totally agree with that. I, I'm trying to think What's the most preposterous event like this, right? I mean, the only thing I can think Malice of is... Malice in the Palace? Yeah, yeah. Dennis Rodman kicking the, the camera oh, operator, yeah, yeah. right? And, and you know, I imagine those suspensions... Well, I think the Malice in the Palace, that's, that's, a, that's a little... A bit of a different, that's yeah, different, yeah, man. Yeah. That's in like a whole other category. Yeah. Um, I, I think maybe it aligns to like that Rodman situation, right? Where. Yeah. Where where he kicked a, a a video operator and um yeah man it'll be interesting to see but you're right like they have to do something to to limit himself right and to 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 kind of prove the point that you cannot do this in the NBA and get away with how it. does this affect the uh, last thing here before we take a break uh, how does this affect his legacy you think like when we look back well, on this Draymond is part of Green, his legacy this is it right this I mean, always well, was before this event this was part of his legacy sure sure yeah yeah I'm not saying necessarily this event singularly but I guess the the accumulation cumulatively speaking all of this stuff like what comes first in the conversations at the at the bar or just like the discussions about basketball like when you're talking to to your grandkids and talking about some of the, the great teams uh, of, of your day uh, watching basketball and Draymond comes up like what's the the first item on the list of of Draymond references like is it like oh man this guy was a really great defender he could guard uh, multiple positions he was good at distributing the ball he was just kind of a gamer brought emotion for the Warriors no right it's the no, first thing is going to be like oh uh, this dude was was kind of a clown yeah well uh, and I, I don't know if that's if I'd use that, I, I, I just describe him as a bully, right? This was a guy that was just, just out of his mind that, 
that didn't follow the rules and that was and especially in the in the era that he played I mean that's essentially what I remember him him as is, is just some it was a bully it was a bully basketball player I mean that's about it yeah uh, that's yeah I think that about sums it up um, and it's just getting worse which is really sad all right uh, catch NFL football at 850 craft beer and whiskey bar at Leeward Bowl they're open 6 a.m. Sunday showing all the NFL games Monday and Thursday night football enjoy the happy hour poopoo menu from 4 to 7 p.m. Uh, they also have the new video wall that thing is awesome uh, it is the place for college and NFL football all right Robbie D Rob DeMello is in the house uh, we'll get to a couple of tech including one uh, it was a specific question for you rob we'll get to that on the Uh-oh. other side of this break oh look at rob he's kind of bobbing his head he's getting into the groove you like this christmas music stuff yeah you know more times of the year needs its own music oh really like summer music uh, right yeah spring music Halloween music, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think other parts of the year uh, they just refer to it as music. Eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty is the number to call. You can also text into that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Got a question for you, Robin? There's no way you were expecting any questions on this topic while you're wearing your uh, Angels baseball hat here in the studio. I'm depressed already, <laughs> Rob. What do you think of Shohei signing with the Dodgers? Angel fans must be sad. No compensation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that, that a question? Yeah, yeah. I think this texter answered their own question. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the feeling. Um, Does you know, it make it worse that it's the Dodgers? It absolutely makes it worse that it's the Dodgers. And I, and I told everyone, I'm pretty sure I told you this too, was anybody but the Dodgers. Like, go anywhere else, <laughs> anywhere. And then he went to the Dodgers. <laughs> Which means and that then, he didn't want to get to... out of that city, right? Well, I, I mean, mean, that's a whole other thing. It could have like, been considerings of stuff. But the like, Angels are not in Los Angeles, and that bothers me. Like, come on, Artie Moreno, you're in Anaheim, embrace it. And if you and if Anaheim's not big enough for you, and you want the marketability, then be the Orange County Angels, because you're not even in LA County. How are you the Los Angeles Angels <laughs> when you're not even in the county mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Los Angeles? You're in a different county. You're in Anaheim. I mean, see, now I'm upset about <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no, we, we, Come on, this you just went, you went me from, into a spiral. You went from feeling all Christmassy and warm and I know, fuzzy, right? and now you did you're, that on you're purpose. all bummed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I saw it in your eyes. That makes for good radio. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but what do you – we talked a little bit at length about this with uh, Christian Shimabuku, uh, your colleague in here yesterday, um, about the Shohei contract and, and just this decision, the deferred money and all of that stuff, um, whether or not he – is like the contract is befitting of his overall value um you know whether or not he's he's whatever team he ended up choosing uh 700 million dollars is is pretty pretty darn huge and i think part of that is yes he's an international superstar and so there is that marketability that is a little bit more expansive than some other prototypical baseball superstars um but i think the other thing is you were paying him or at least the contract negotiations certainly were commanding uh a money amount that would suit a player who does two things right so it's almost like the combination of what you would pay aaron judge as a hitter and then on top of that like all right well we also have to pay you what we would pay like a Garrett Cole as a pitcher because you are in essence sort of those two entities uh but the question about his pitching now coming off of the the second Tommy John surgery um makes me ask the question of whether or not he is 
worth that amount of money uh, because we don't know for sure what he's going to look like on the pitching side of things. Uh, he won't pitch this season uh, when he does finally try to do that. Absolutely. I mean, his you said it earlier, his marketability is what makes him a $700 million man, right? And um, it's going to pay for itself over probably the first five, six years of the contract, and, and th- which you're going to be paying later. But um, it's all about Shohei, what he was able to do as a pitcher and hitter has made him who he is. So whether or not he ever is a starting pitcher again or never has another season like he did over the last couple as a pitcher, that's who he is, right? I mean, that, he'll forever be this unicorn no matter what. I think he'll come back and he'll be a relief pitcher. I think he'll be a closer. And I think it would be even more crazy to watch for baseball fans than him being a starting pitcher because this is going to be games on the line. This is going to be this guy's already hit a home run in this game and then he runs out onto the mound in the ninth inning to preserve a one-run lead. I mean, that is going to be even more highlight-worthy. That is going to be even more talked about and more storied. And, and and I think that's what the future holds for Shohei as a pitcher. Um, but with all that being said, uh, Shohei's earned every dollar that, that he has coming his way, uh, even though it's coming in year 11 or whatever of the contract. Um, and yeah, for Angels fans, it, it's a bummer that, that he's no longer with the team. It's a bummer that uh, you paid him $30 million this past season, and then he's been making $2 million uh, for the Dodgers here in 2024. Um, but, you know, it is what it is, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw something. The $700 million contract total is, like, actually larger than there was, like, a, a nation, like a country oh, whose sure. gross domestic, domestic product um, was not as large as Shohei Otani's contract, which is... Yeah, well, crazy. I mean, and there's, like, entire organizations that aren't worth $700 yeah. million, dollars, yeah. right? And, yeah, yeah. Like the uh, Schmokeland Schmays. <laughs> I didn't want to say them by name, so we'll just it rhymes with Schmokeland Schmays. Um, <laughs> all right, we have another text here. Uh, I've supported and admired the Warriors' run over the years, more so because I'm a Wazoo alum like Clay Thompson, and also have followed Draymond's career since Michigan State, but in previous seasons, not even this one, during post-game press conferences, Clay has shown irritation with Draymond and has called him out as being childish. Yeah, I, I have to believe that within that locker room, this stuff is getting really, really old. And like I said, I, I feel for Steph Curry. You know, Clay Thompson, he's still kind of struggling to find his former form. Um, but I, I have to imagine when you're Steph Curry, you're still playing at such a high level. It's like, dude, I'm out here putting in work. And what are you doing? It's like becoming a circus over here, and you're wasting uh, what are still turning out to be prime years of my existence in basketball. That's got to be. I mean, I don't know if, if if Steph's necessarily looking at it with that macro of a view, uh, but that's got to be pretty bothersome. Well, I, I think even more importantly, it's not what he's doing; it's what he will not be doing, and that's playing basketball <laughs> yeah. for your team when you're trying to win basketball games. I think, I mean, you and I work together, and if I was missing work every other week because of this, that, or the other, right, then you'd be pretty frustrated of having to work with me because it's like, I need you here. I need you working with me, right? And so I think it's even bigger than what he's actually doing. 
is what he won't be it's doing. It's the result of what exactly. he's doing, yeah. Which, That's got to be the biggest frustration. Which, well, which goes back to then, why are you doing all of this stuff? Like, exactly. Like, you, you have to realize you're a grown adult. Like, you have to realize the ramifications and the consequences of some of your behavior. It's, it's mind-blowing uh, to think that it's almost getting, like, more frequent and almost getting worse. And again, I think the, the, the payoff isn't the same because he's not the player that he was either. So uh, it's not as much of a net positive anymore that's got to be frustrating for sure all right we have a few more uh, texts to get to we're up against a commercial break though so uh, we'll go ahead and uh, take this break and we come back uh, have a text uh, who uh, wants to ask about uh, rainbow warrior basketball uh, and the column written by dave reardon in the honolulu star advertiser we'll get to that in just a bit uh, try domino's mix and match special download the domino's app and get any three items for just 7.99 each choose from pizzas pastas boneless chicken bites and more find the mix and match deals under the coupon section on the app Domino's Hawaii they deliver Aloha Robbie D's in the house we'll be back All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Robbie D, Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is also in the house. Uh, 808-296-1420 is the number to call. Text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Let's get to a text, shall we? Uh, Kanoa, comment on Dave Reardon's column concerning the UH basketball record. It's not what it looks like. Uh, is uh, a quote that was included here in the text. So, yeah, Dave Reardon in the Honolulu Star Advertiser, uh, basically the headline reads, looks can be deceiving like the Rainbow's hoops record. Talking about uh, Rainbow Warrior basketball, they're off to a 7-1 and star, two of those wins against Division II opponents. Uh, they're five wins, all coming against Quad 4 teams, which is considered the, the lowest quadrant uh, among NCAA uh, rankings. Um, their net rating, the NCAA's evaluation tool, um, actually has them at the number 119 spot, which is one spot below Seton Hall, one spot above UCLA. We saw the Bruins uh, play in the uh, Maui Invitational, and they looked uh, pretty good. They're young. They got a lot of new new pieces, but uh, they look like they have potential to be uh, really good. And what Dave Reardon is basically saying is because of the strength of schedule or lack thereof here to this point for Aran Ganat and the Rainbow Warriors, it's hard to tell, hard to gauge just how good they actually are. Uh, the win-loss record can appear to be somewhat deceiving because of that. Uh, my reaction to that is, yeah, I, I think that that's true. Um, I don't think we know yet exactly what this team is made of. Uh, the two legitimate uh, teams that they've played one was in an exhibition so you know count that uh, or read into that how you will uh, but that was against St. Mary's and it was pretty one-sided and then they went on a road uh, against a very big pretty good Utah team uh, and they lost in Salt Lake City at the Delta Center um, and so if you are going to just go by those two kind of categories like the good teams they've played to this point and the teams that are quad four type teams um, it's it's it seems pretty cut and dry that all right well they they are better than the quad four teams they're playing and and it looks like, you know, these these better teams that they're playing, um, you know, Hawaii has some improvement to, to try to undergo and some some work to do. They have a lot of returnees, nine returnees. Uh, they won 22 games last year. I think expectations are high. Uh, I think there are some things that you can say about this team uh, just based on appearance, regardless of who they play. Uh, they definitely have some uh, offensive firepower. They have more shooters than they've had in previous years. Uh, Juan Munoz, this guy is on a bender right now, uh, and it's pretty awesome to see. And I think his presence, uh, because of past injuries, it has hurt their depth in the backcourt. His 
his presence, along with freshman Tom Beatty, uh, supporting Noel Coleman and Javon McClanahan. They're clearly deeper uh, than they have been as well at a lot of positions, specifically in the backcourt. So I think there are things you can read into this team with. One is, you know, they are, they are I think, a little bit more talented offensively. Uh, they are definitely deeper, certainly in the backcourt. And those are things that you would imagine will bode well for them once they get into Big West Conference play. But, you know, I think it's fair for some fans to ask questions, if not criticize, um, the scheduling here at the front end of, of the non-conference slate. You know, they weren't even able to play the Rainbow Classic, which I found to be, you know, just a real big-time bummer. Um, and, you know, I don't think, while I love seeing HPU and, and Hilo and Chaminade sort of rotate through and play the Rainbow Warriors on a, a an annual type of basis, I don't know if you want to just, you know, absolutely overwhelm your early season schedule with Division Two opponents. I don't think that's necessarily good uh, for business or, or even necessarily good for uh, while you can get players some playing time and that kind of thing. Not necessarily good for prepping your team for some of these tougher games that are coming up. But they have Nevada coming into town. They have the Diamond Head Classic. That's going to be a really strong field. They'll get three really good games out of that. Uh, and so it'll it'll kind of even itself out, I think, as far as strength of schedule is concerned. But uh, how do you view this this early season slate here for Hawaii, Rob? Yeah, kind of just on the back end of what you were talking about is, yeah, it, you don't have a full read on, on this team and what this team might be capable of based on the schedule that they played up to this point. But in about 10 days, we can have this conversation again and all those things would be answered, I feel like, right? there's You're playing four games over the next week against four quality opponents, guaranteed, yeah, because yeah. everyone in the Diamond Head Classic is a quality opponent. And then you have an extra game against Nevada. You might be facing Nevada twice. That's a possibility, right? And so when that's all said and done, that's they're 7-1 and one right now, you throw those four games that through 12 games... You, you put Utah in there as far as another quality opponent, and you have five quality opponents out of 12 games, which I'm pretty sure you could go across the country, and that's probably what the average is as far as what everyone's schedule looks like unless you're a blue blood, right? And so I think we're going to learn a lot here uh, over the next week, and I think that's exciting for, for fans. And, um, you know, whether it's five sprinkled you know games one three five seven nine eleven uh of quality opponents as opposed to how it looks right now i mean at the end of the day you're going to go into conference play having been tested having had those games that you've picked up victories and and so i mean i'm just looking at it from that standpoint of we're going to learn soon enough you know what this team is about um but with that being said the way that the schedule was made the more concerning part for me is just getting people into the arena because on a Sunday at 5 o'clock, not a lot of people are going to go watch them play HPU at the Simplify Arena. You know, they might watch it on TV, on Spectrum Sports, but are you going to get people to go to these mm -hmm. games? Are you going to get people to go watch Central Arkansas? I think Northern Arizona was a game that maybe people would have went to if it wasn't at 9 p.m., right? Um, but that's more my concern with the early season part of the schedule isn't you know, stacking wins or whatever, because like I said, it's all going to even out. I mean, you're going to play five quality teams before your conference schedule starts up. And, and that's what you want out of a early season schedule. It's how it happened. And you haven't really gotten people into the arena yet. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, I think kind of getting the fans to latch on, yeah. right? Like, Hey, we got something this is good a fun here. Team. It is. Regardless if they win these games, these next four or not, this will be a fun team to watch throughout the year because of all the things that you mentioned 
you know, it, it's the same argument that's going on in the NFL right now with the Dolphins, where they've beaten all these teams with losing records, they lost to these teams with winning records, and so who are they? Well, we know they have really good players. We know they're really fun to watch. And, and you know, they are capable of beating these teams that they've lost to. Um, and they can definitely beat these teams that they beat, right, obviously. And that's kind of what the University of Hawaii looks like to me is they've got pieces. And if they play well, they're going to be a hard out for anyone like you saw at Utah, where that was a game that could have been a, a game down to the wire. But then they had these stretches where... You know, you've seen them have a stretch against HPU where, okay, you know, it, it, it let HPU get back into the game. Well, you did that against Utah, and it became a 14-point deficit because they're Utah, right? Now, if you play a good basketball game, what you're capable of, this is a team that could keep up with that style of basketball, I feel like. Mm, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's a fun team. I think they're, they're, they have the potential to be a really good team. Uh, they have some of the same elements defensively that they were able to um, you know, put on the floor last year, which you know, uh, they were really efficient defensively, um, keeping opponents' assists down, those kinds of things. And, and I think they still have some of that makeup, um, but they've added, obviously, a little bit of firepower on the offensive end. So, yeah, I, th I think it's a fun team to watch, but I understand. I understand when people ask those questions because, uh, you know, not being able to play the Rainbow Classic was was definitely a, a downer. And, you know, I, I, I understand what Aran Ganat is saying, even in this column. Dave Reardon included a quote where he's like, hey, look, a lot of coaches uh, or programs see 22 wins. You got nine returnees. They're like, we don't want to go out there and, and play you guys. Uh, that That's kind of a sucker bet, right? And, and I get that it can be difficult to navigate through available of the arena with when you have women's volleyball and you have women's basketball and then of course you had the introduction of the Maui Invitational this year I get all of that stuff but there are a lot of Division One teams, man. There are over 350 Division One teams, and you have direct connections to a lot of these programs. Um, you know, one that comes uh, to mind, obviously, St. Mary's, who came down in, in the exhibition. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, maybe that could have actually been looked upon as, hey, why don't we play a real game? Or why don't we do a home-and-home -home kind of thing? Um, you know, while they were uh, also still fundraising for uh, the cause on Maui. Um, USF, you got Chris Gerlifson over there, and, and there's a strong connection there. Like, you don't think Chris Gerlison would want to bring a team down like tomorrow if given the opportunity to play in Hawaii? And so maybe those are some some areas that uh, Ron Gannat and, and this coaching staff can can try to uh, exploit a little bit more going forward. They do have North Carolina, who's going to be uh, playing uh, as as uh, an adjacent game to the Maui Invitational. They're coming down next year. Um, I guess that's a little harder than sometimes it is, um, or it, it, it appears easier than what it turns out to be to get teams that are playing the Maui to play like an extra game uh, in uh, Hawaii or in Honolulu but uh, yeah I would continue to pound that drum as well I think that that could work out really well for Hawaii to create some compelling matchups uh, to get some some good opponents uh, into that arena draw some crowds like last time North Carolina played uh, it was a packed house and I would imagine that it's going to be the same uh, next year so yeah you know I, I think it's fair for people to ask some of the questions about the legitimacy of the schedule um, but like you said I think overall from a competitive vantage point it will likely even out uh, you just you kind of want to get the fans like excited uh, and I think um, uh, you know the when when you're watching Long Beach State uh, beating USC in Bronny James debut uh, at Galen Center uh, and then later that day Hawaii is going up against you know Hawaii Pacific University I think it's like um, sometimes a little bit difficult to uh, 
be able to to get that same level of excitement. Yeah, and and obviously, I mean, ge- geography has something to of do course, with that. I of mean, course, I'm sure Iran Ganai could fly his team up to California and stay for a week and and pick, and play four games in a week and drive from here to here to here. Um, but then I feel like that wouldn't be any fun to watch for the <laughs> University of <laughs> true, Hawaii true, basketball true. fan either, right? And they kind of did that in, in essence, right? Yeah. As, as, uh, with the tournament and then also the Utah game. Yeah. So, you know, when you um, when you look at this team and, and uh, this early season schedule, yeah, there could be tweaks made. But, you know, just on the surface, um, you know, I, I feel like the, the biggest misstep was the start of the season. Right. And you mentioned the Rainbow Classic. Now, with that being said, over the years, over the last few Rainbow Classics, not like those have been great fields either. But there's just something about when people are at home and they're watching ESPN and everyone in the country is starting their season and you're starting your the college football regular season is coming to an end and you're starting to get excited about collegiate basketball and then the University of Hawaii is off for eight days before they get to play a game. I think that definitely hurt, too, because you had to strike. You know, when the iron's hot, you got to play when everyone else is playing, when everyone else is opening their season, because then it gets people like, okay, it's basketball season. I think that over week wait for basketball to start here in the state of Hawaii, I, I think that you're still feeling the effects of that, I think. Uh, Texter says, main thing, they're beating who they are supposed to beat. Uh, they, they most certainly are. Yeah, absolutely. Seven ones and one start is, um, is, is no joke, uh, no matter who you're playing. Another texter off subject uh, is JDL. Coming home, talking about Jaden Delora, I would uh, presume is is that what that texter is is referencing? I think just with Braden Shager transferring out and uh, some of the other movements in college football, uh, this texter asking if there's a possibility that Jaden Delora would maybe consider uh, coming back to Hawaii. He still has some eligibility, correct? Yeah, and and I mean by all accounts, I don't think he's entered a portal. Uh, There's still a bowl game for Washington State, mm-hmm. so a lot of those players are waiting for that bowl game to be over. He lost the starting job um, at Arizona, excuse yeah, me, Arizona, not Washington yeah. State. And um, he, you know, so it looks like the writing's on the wall that he's no longer going to be the starter there with Fafita taking things over. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we just have to, I mean, really, you could say that about anybody, right? You could say that about any player with eligibility in the game of college football is uh, – they can transfer. Yeah. And yeah. until someone enters the portal, then, I mean, it's, I don't even know if it's he worth talking about. He has one transfer already, though, going from Washington State but if to he Arizona. Graduates, so, yeah, but you, so you, if you transfer again, you'd have to sit out a year unless you are a grad transfer. Yeah. You still have that um, that uh, capability. So, yeah, that would, that would be kind of interesting. That would address uh, a big a big hole, obviously, because uh, there's also a lot of pressure, uh, I think, on Micah Alejado coming from Bishop Gorman. He seems like he's open... Uh, to to putting up with some of that pressure doesn't seem like a guy who's going to shy away from any of that attention. Uh, but uh, I think with the departure of Braden Shager, uh, there's a whole lot of expectation now being thrust upon uh, this this soon to be freshman for uh, Hawaii. If in fact they do ultimately get him to sign the letter, and really, the, yeah, the next week is going to be really interesting because even Mike Alejado, I mean, still being heavily recruited <laughs> yeah. by UNLV and by Coach Brennan Marion, and uh, and that's with Jaden Maiava still on the team as a freshman all conference and and all that and so i mean this next week will be really interesting uh just needs to make sure that alejado puts pen to paper and they get him here because if they don't then now you're stuck and then yeah you're gonna have to go and get a someone from the portal 
um, and fill that need immediately because, um, yeah, you still have quarterbacks on the roster, but you need to create a competition. You need to get someone in here with some kind of either – a high-level high school recruit, which Michael Alejandro is, right, with, with high-level experience, um, or someone who has collegiate quarterbacking experience in the spring. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's still a, it should be a priority, even if Michael Alejandro signs the letter. You want more yeah. competition. You would love to get someone that has, like you said, some of that experience. Win a $1,000 cash grand prize, $100 weekly prizes, and ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks, brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. Visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. You ready for a little best and worst when we come back, Robbie? Shoots. All right. All right, what song is this? Uh, Liz, what song is this? It's the greatest time of year. Uh, it's just listed as a Christmas song here uh, in, in our uh, computer this program. This uh, Allie and AJ, I believe. Oh, Allie and oh, AJ. Yeah. Oh, why did you say the so? The Allie and AJ family. Yeah, so I was really big uh, in the early days before AJ. It was just <laughs> Allie. And then, uh, and then once AJ got into the scene, man, just unstoppable. Unstoppable force, Allie and AJ. It was like Black Eyed Peas. I remember you got all upset <laughs> oh, yeah. when Fergie joined the group. I was like, what? We used to argue out. about that all the time. <laughs> and you were like, yeah, they're uh, really popular and making a butt ton of money now. And I'm like, sellouts. Yeah. I liked them back in the early days. And it was true hip hop. I know. I was I was trying to play the part, I think. Uh, all right. That's the voice of Robbie D. I'm Kanoa He packs the studios in Honolulu. Uh, it is time for our best and worst. Uh, do you have a best? Do you have a worst? I have a best. I have a worst. Whoa. Yeah. This yeah. is real. Yeah. This, is, this, this is, is like real sports talk radio yeah. now. Um, which one do you want to do first? I'll go best. All right. My best, uh, Kauai's Kirby Yates, right? He had a resurgence last year with the Atlanta Braves, and um, he – Comes off of El- uh, Tommy John elbow surgery. He had two surgeries over the course of two years. Only played 15 games between 2021 and 2022. And then this past season in Atlanta, he was awesome. Five saves. He had a 3.28 ERA, I believe. 80 strikeouts in 60 innings. And he signs a one-year contract with the World Series champion, Texas Rangers. He's going to be making $4.5 million. Double what Shohei will be making next season. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, uh, definitely uh, props to him. And, yeah, there's going to be a lot of guys who are making more money than <laughs> Shohei Otani next year, uh, ironically. Um, but call him in 10 years uh, yeah, when, when yeah. the, the backload <laughs> kicks in. Uh, all right, my uh, best, I'm going to go with um, the documentary Bye Bye Barry. It's available on uh, Amazon Prime Video. Uh, it's a documentary about Barry Sanders. It was released late last month, basically. Uh, for the first time, his talking openly about the the thought process and the decision-making process behind when he walked away from the game in his prime, on the verge of breaking the all-time rushing record, um, and just kind of going through uh, a little bit of, of that uh, retroactive history. And um, big surprise, a lot of it had to do with the Lions sucking so yeah uh, spoiler alert uh but it was it was cool to see his relationship uh, with his kids his sons uh and and kind of the interesting relationship he had with his father as well um i would def- definitely recommend that watch and and i have a bookmark that, that's something i'm gonna watch so i'm glad you brought that up to, rem- to remind me all right my worst yeah my worst is the constant quarterbacking takes Across the world of sports, with, with every throw, you're ranking and re-ranking quarterbacks and how good they are and how bad they are. And, and, and the one that I've never, I never used to hear this before, but now I see it all the time. 
when a quarterback throws like a screen pass, Brock Purdy will throw something five yards, and then the receiver runs for 65 yards and is a touchdown, and that's somehow a knock on the quarterback about, oh, see, he's not a real quarterback. The receiver did all the work. Like, since when is that a thing? Like, that's your job is to score touchdowns, to complete passes, to not turn the ball over, and yet that has now become a negative. It yeah. just makes no sense to no, me. No, that's interesting. I mean, how many touchdown passes did Colt Brennan get off of the shovel pass? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like we never really held that uh, against him. I think that's a, a good point. Uh, all right, my worst, real quick, uh, Al Michaels uh, is uh, not going to be on NBC's NFL playoff coverage, and the reason why it's the worst is uh, because he didn't know that. He thought it was in his contract, and I guess uh, this uh, one media outlet – uh, that interviewed him, the Post, uh, New York Post, uh, asked him about it, and he's like, oh, it's in my contract. What are you hearing that I'm not hearing? So uh, just bummer to see Al Michaels kind of left out in the, the cold there. That is a worst. That is worst, yeah. All right, I feel bad now. Let's listen to some Christmas music. See you tomorrow, everybody.